<laughs> I can't believe I've just yawned when we're about to have an interview about peak performance. <laughs> That's terrible. Oh, I need a coffee. Buongiorno and welcome to More We're Thinking Podcast, hosted by me, Lee Greeno, here live from the Man Cave every week. Now today, I'm speaking to the amazing Jem Cooper, uh, lives over in Mallorca, peak performance coach, pretty amazing young lady. Uh, we talk about the Olympics, how brilliant everybody was over there. Um, she coaches some of the athletes. Uh, just a cracking, cracking interview with an amazing woman that just never stops. It makes me sick. I'm moaning about walking up the shop. Uh, but yeah, you're going to love this one. Uh, remember, there's only four rules on the podcast. One is no bullshit, two, no judging, three, no neg- negativity, and four, have fun. Enough of me rambling. You're going to love this interview with Jem. Let's get on with it. Here we go. So welcome to More By Thinking, and today I have a very special guest. It is the one and only Carrie Jamama Cooper. Woo! Thank you so much for having me on. (laughs) No problem at all. I'll put a false clap on that now so it sounds like there's hundreds of people in the room. (laughs) Oh, they're not. I thought there were. No, they're all hiding outside with the chickens and dogs and (laughs) things like that. So how are you? Okay. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I've just been for a nice ride to get my head in in the zone. Um, And yeah, back now and yeah, excited to chat. Good. Well, we'll be talking lots about fitness because obviously you're a fitness guru and uh, I need some tips. (laughs) So we'll be talking all about that. Now, the first thing, your story is amazing. We'll go through all that. But the first thing is you're in Mallorca. Is that correct? Yes, absolutely. Um, So a bit of a crazy one. I was actually on my way to the USA um, March 2020. So my flight was on the 10th of March and obviously that didn't quite materialize. Um, and I stayed around in England for a while, but I've wanted to move abroad for many, many years. Yeah. Um, I'd never been to Spain, couldn't speak a word of Spanish, um, never been to Mallorca, obviously, but heard it was very nice. And uh, just a few days before Brexit and um, mid-pandemic in December uh, 2020, I slipped in um, and, yeah, but wow. made my home in Mallorca. So it was a bit of a, a leap of faith, but I'm very, uh, with, wow. with this much sunshine, it's <laughs> well, can't Ma- go wrong. Ma- one of those places I've never been and I want to go. Uh, are you, are you, I'm into cycling. I used to be into cycling quite a lot. Oh, I do amazing. it now and again. Um, but it's just a beautiful place. A lot of stars used to go there. So tell me, since you've been there, tell me something interesting. Because I used to look at interesting facts, but I thought, well, actually, the best people are the people that are there at the minute. So tell me something interesting about Mallorca. Hmm, that's a good, that's quite a good one. There's there's so many like quite cool things. The areas are really different. So yeah. I live up in the north, and um, the south is like literally a different island. Like sometimes I go there for like a holiday day, like a staycation, yeah. because it is it's lit, like you're going to another island. Um, so that and it's also three to four degrees warmer in the south which you know for us english we're like oh yeah great get as much heat <laughs> as possible but then sometimes it gets very very humid yeah um so that's quite like uh the weather is like very peculiar they have like microclimates um another two cool things random facts um i saw a little turtle or a little tortoise i'm not sure on my ride today it was quite cute so yeah. instead of seeing like um 
other things crossing the road. That's what you see, which is very nice. <laughs> and if you're a resident in Mallorca, you can fly around to like Ibiza, Menorca, and it costs about 10 euros a time. So um, if, you're, if you're into the party life, yeah. um, it's, a, it's a place to go. <laughs> yeah. And what's it like? So you're cycling, you know, you're into your fitness. Cycling over here, I think it's, England is amazing. When the sun's out, the countryside is stunning. Uh, but the roads can be a problem, potholes, things like that. Over there, what are the, what's it like cycling over there? I suppose you've got to get used to the humidity because that is... That yeah, big. well, it's absolutely amazing. So I'm, I'm a triathlete, so not the, mm. like, the hard... Um, well, there's a lot of British cyclists and a lot of cycling teams. They all come yeah. here and train, yeah. um, especially where I live up in the north. Um, it's amazing. The roads are really, really amazing. And I'm very, very privileged now when I have a, like friends coming um, out here. And I'm like, okay, this is like as bad as the road gets like it's it's really like not a nice road just be careful and they're like sorry which one like you know yeah. this is perfect this is pretty and coming from sort of rural Herefordshire yeah. when it was a case of oh let's see how far we can ride and when we have to get off and push for a bit was like the standard ride and, and I'm very very privileged um, and it's really nice it's a massive community of cyclists and active people yeah. kind of that live here and then obviously people that come and train but there's also it's great to see loads of women's uh, female cyclists as well which yeah. is not something we see quite as many of in some places in England so um, that's really cool there's, there's big clubs and big communities so that's awesome. Is the traffic more respectful to you over there i mean over here it's it's better than it has been but you still always get the one the odd arsehole you know oh, what's it then, like over depends there how many living tourists there are um, <laughs> oh look like, you're blaming tourists now you're a tourist oh, yourself well you do see if you see anyone with like a higher car sign you know to give them yeah. like ample space um because uh well all the uh, hoteliers say that you know the tourists leave their brain in the airport and collect it when they're back home and, like it's so so true so um you you learn though and um as a local as i call myself now really you learn you learn where to go and where to avoid um the are the locals respect are the locals in- are the locals respectful to you or is it like oh they do me head in yeah. cycling yeah they tend to be because most of them it's like someone's brother or someone's uncle someone's mm. like it's quite like a like um the local community is quite tight-knit and lots of people have stayed like born and bred here so yeah. it's um yeah pretty much the winter is a different different like experience entirely and especially the winter i experienced which was a 2020 2021 winter when there weren't any people um around so it was very very different and it was yeah it was quite amazing it was it was a bit like you're in a uh, like a video game and it's yeah just, it's like a oh and you had the whole thing to yourself and i bet the weather was perfect weren't it because it was the winter well, you know, you wouldn't expect anything else from last year, but it apparently it was like the worst winter that they'd had in about 10 years. Um, so it was a bit chilly at times. We even got a bit of snow. But for, yeah, going from like minus four to like the worst we got was maybe like five or six degrees and like a very like few days. Um, but most of the time it was like 18, Yeah, 20. beautiful. You, you climbed high so much. So like now in the evenings when it's like 25, 26 degrees, I'm like, oh, let's get a jacket. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's getting a bit chilly. So it's amazing how you... Yeah, um, I love it. When, when I go abroad, if I go somewhere, sometimes I go to Spain and, and different places. I like to hire out a bike. Last time me and my son, we hired out electric scooters and we went right to the oh. end of the island in the middle of nowhere. And it's like being on Mars, isn't it? You mm-hmm. look out and you just... And, 
where there's no tourism and it's just fantastic feeling isn't it? yeah i really want a scooter i I, th- I have a need for speed on one of those <laughs> they're so good but so dangerous we were racing uh but they're great because i used to do a lot of mountain biking so he was okay. like dad i'm gonna thrash you at this and i was like son I might be a bit older and we got over some rocky stuff and I was bringing out the old tricks. <laughs> oh, very good. Awesome. And he was like, stop showing off, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, excellent stuff. Right, now, so let's start at the beginning a little bit. Um, go back. Where did, so you, you're doing triathlete, you're doing lots of other stuff. Where did the competitive, and you were a ballerina, of course, and that's one of the things that sparked interest in me because I love talking to people that really push themselves. Uh, tell us where that spark came from. Was it when you were at school or college or something like that? Um, so I've always, I think, be, had far too much energy for my own good. <laughs> I can tell. Um, <laughs> I started um, as a, I, I started ballet at four years old. So wow. before that, I don't really have any sort of memories that I know much of. But I started at four, and by kind of about nine, I'd um, started working with the Royal Ballet and things progressed very, very quickly. Um, and by 12, I'd gone off to um, a full-time kind of dancing school. Um, and then just kind of pushed from there. I had um, uh, some difficult times during my teenage, teenage years, a very, very um, severe illness, which kind of put things back a little bit. But then by 19, I um, got my professional um, first professional contract as a, as a dancer. And then that was a plan to go and dance, go and dance in New York and, and um, build from there. Um, and one thing led to another. It was a very, very complicated time and having had quite a um, pretty uh, incredible experience. Um, incredible in, in not, in not, a, not a potentially, you know, the, the best way or the nicest way. Um, before that, leading up to that time, I, I decided... Um, was that was that to do? Uh, I mean, was that to do with illness, or was it to do with other things? Absolutely, absolutely. So I was very. Um, I actually almost lost my life twice um, yeah. between the age of fifteen and nineteen. So it was um, pretty, um, yeah, pretty, pretty hard and pretty formative, and especially yeah. at that time. Because um, yeah. you're a teenager as well, and teenager, you know, is supposed to be the best yeah. time of your life. Totally, um, and so it was very different. It was, it was kind of very different all the way along, I think having that level of, um, well, training so hard since I was nine years old mm. and being um, quite advanced in my sport, very, kind of very, very elite level, you're not quite the same as the other nine-year-olds still, you know, playing with Tamagotchis and like having time for, <laughs> you know, all this other stuff. Like, like it wasn't, um, I trained kind of like, I think I probably trained 10 or 14 hours when I was nine or 10 and then just kind of went wow. up there. So, my life was very much that. Um, when I stepped away from dancing, I was looking for another challenge. Once a professional athlete, always a professional athlete. Um, Why did you step away from dancing in the end? So obviously you were really good when you were younger, you were real, then you got back into it. Was there a reason why? Because uh, if you're training that hard, was did were you aiming for a certain place or was it just a case you just fell out of love with it? No, no well, not really at all. Um, it was quite a... Um, quite a difficult experience I suppose so I was it was my it was my everything it was my Mm. identity my whole future and my whole past it was everything and uh, people used to introduce me as oh oh she's the ballerina oh she's Jemima like it wasn't Jemima it was the ballerina Jemima yeah and I'd sort of fought through very much so lots of 
challenging um, personal circumstances, home circumstances. Um, and then I'd had this kind of illness and set through and I kind of got through and got through and got through pushing to get to mm. the elite levels of dancing. And it was everything I wanted. And I had, I was a pretty high level um, very, very high level yeah. dancer and my, my potential was strong, but I was, it was a hard fight because um, I had to take a break when I was about 15 for the, um, when I was not very well. And that's like a really key point as a, mm. especially as a female dancer, because yeah. it's kind of very much your body's changing and things like that. And you need to mold your body to be in, in the right style for, for, for your dance and things like that. So it's yeah. really, really crucial time. And so it was a fight when I came back, I was a yeah. little bit behind and things like this. Um, but eventually I got myself to this audition um, with a Russian ballet company in London and I got the, um, got the job basically i i had i wasn't able to train i believe for six or seven months prior to my audition like not allowed to raise my heart rate nothing and then i started dancing again on the like the 4th of january when our um my like dance school came back up to christmas and by the 4th of february i got my contract signed with this company i'd moved to london and i was basically on on my plan was let's um train for a year like uh, a professional level to get everything like catch up basically and then go off where i wanted to go which was america i was not that you'd uh, you'd know by looking at me but i was quite an athletic dancer so i fitted the american style much better which was much more um, a lot of jumps high velocities sort of much more powerful and that suited my body style and my, and my dancing style much better um so i went off to this russian ballet company and it was in a sense i think it was a um, I don't, I wouldn't have chosen it had I not had that circumstance and not so much been going on. And I was young and naive and stupid and just so had this goal. Um, yeah. But I went into this company and it summarized everything that dancing should not be. Everything yeah, you see in Black everything you see. Brutal, brutal. Horrible. Yeah. And the things you hear about in the gymnastic scene and in, in yeah. Russia and, at the moment. <laughs> and this school very much summed it up and it was horrific there were Uh. we were sort of training for six to eight hours a day and I used to argue because I was would bring like orange juice into my class and I got chucked out of I got chucked out of my class for drinking bringing orange juice we weren't allowed to eat or drink during our sessions and there were kind of there were some younger dancers and and this principal was telling the younger dancers that um they're kind of nine or ten and like oh your your bum's looking a bit big you must go to the gym sort of thing and all of this and it was they effectively this this um i'd sort of this like i don't know um community of people or, or i didn't it was more of like a cult in a sense yeah it was horrific and they were they were really um sort of killing their dancers and yeah it's true it's, it, I, I think because uh, and we hear a lot about things like this from certain countries. Their their children are probably brought up with this, and this is their ideology, and this is how you live, and that's it. So that's part of their life. So when they go into it, they don't know any different. But us, as a more sort of flexible country and, and, and Western, we walk in there, and it's such a shock to us, yet the kids from Russia think it's just the normality, don't they? Well, well, I'm not sure. I, you know, I don't think it's necessarily like, I, I don't think 
it's a case of um like the fact that it was a Russian ballet company or anything mm. else. Like I, I am very, very sort of open to diff, like different ways and different societies and things like that. Mm. But what I, um, it was definitely wrong. And it, there's, um, I don't, I don't think there's an excuse in any culture, you know, I don't, it's just, yeah. I don't think it should, um, it should really, really happen. And, and I, um, I've really fought against that. And I, I suppose um, I've always been quite like strong on my morals ever since I was Good. a little girl and they used to get me in all sorts of trouble at school. But um, I, I really stood up to it. And as most especially as I had, I felt incredibly lucky. Not only had I sort of been saved, I'd, I'd got a second chance at life twice, like not once, twice. Yeah. Yeah. And I felt it was such a gift to still be here and still have that chance to stand there in that school. Mm. And I, one day this guy was yelling at this girl behind me because um, suddenly she wasn't, her arms weren't perfect or something like this. And, um, and I just turned around to the guy and I said, look, I, 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 I basically screamed to him. I was just like, this is wrong. Like what you're doing is wrong. And there are lots of people that you will, you know, you'll plant seeds in their head and they'll go away and they'll have difficulties in their mental health. They'll get ill. They'll have an eating disorder or whatever it is. And they won't come back from this. And it is, I cannot be in any way associated with yeah. a culture that is, that is like, uh, that is doing this for the dancers. And, yeah. and, and I sort of, I, slammed the door walked out and walked away and good for you that was my reason ultimately from stepping away from that um because the other the thing world. the other thing is as well there are certain industries i mean i'm filmmaker but it's only sort of a hobby and but people there's certain industries i think people take it people for granted because you want to be in that industry so much or you want to be at that that dance school they know how they're like they're almost well if you don't want it there's thousands that would want it. And I think yeah. that sometimes that really pisses me off because it's not about that. It should never be about that. It should be about talent, uh, you know, passion, hard work, yeah. uh, not, well, if you can't Thank stick you. it, because we're all human beings, you could be the most Thank talented, you. passionate person in the world. You're still not perfect. You're still going to have ups and yeah. downs. Um, and I think it's a lot better now. I don't. I don't know certain industries like. Yeah, you know. totally. And I, 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 you know, and I don't believe that this is the same way in every ballet school. There's amazing things going done, um, being done in course, Australia, yeah. for instance. Um, yeah. And there's they treat dancers like athletes rather than yeah. like these yeah these people in the state and you see it in musical theater you see it in singing you see it in yeah the film industry models you know all of these things and it is these kind of aspirational industries if you like yeah and definitely. it is um, but it's not the same in every way just at that time in my yeah in my life yeah. it was a so summary that I didn't want to be associated with. so so when you're a kid you're doing this dancing you're really passionate it's your love then you get you you're ill then you get back to where you wanted to be and you find out that it's just a nightmare how how was your mental health at this point because i would have thought that would really knock you about because um, you know yeah. that's something you loved and you've got to give it up how's that well, feel it was it was huge like when i stepped out of that it was it was absolutely huge i walked out of that door knowing that i couldn't do one that i couldn't be associated with this and 
I was, I, yeah, I I'd had a very tough time and mm. hadn't necessarily sold all of the, you know, you don't just have that experience and, oh, she's dealing with it remarkably well. And yeah. yes, yes, I was on the, on the, on the, you know, the face of it, but underneath there's always things going on. Um, but I walked out that door and I was like, holy crap. Like I have nothing, no yeah. one. I am no one. I have no next step. I have no goal. Like it was like this unbelievable empty feeling because yeah. I'd been the ballerina Jemima for well for 16 years of my life. And I at 19 was going, who am I? Okay. Yeah. Who am I? What do I do? And it was a really like, um, very, very strange time. Very, very strange time. And lots of people, had their own opinions and um i ended up sort of i, I had a house contract in london for a few months I had no need no need to be there didn't know anyone and no money like it was just any you know i had no idea what to do i ended up by getting a pilates qualification and started um training and then teaching as a pilates instructor which um as a what was a pilates instructor i thought you said plasterer <laughs> man of uh, woman of many talents um but then i so, was so uh, so just to go back to when you finished with dance did you just make your mind up then it's just not for me you couldn't go anywhere else you just thought you just need to get out of it is that the way you thought about it i tried other i did look at other schools mm. for a while um but deep down i think there was it had probably been like something niggling at me for a while yeah, inside yeah going, you know, maybe this is a time that yeah. so much has happened in this, in this time. Like I need to step out. It was very much, I have this opportunity to live. How yeah. can I make the best out of it? And as a professional ballerina, it's not like other sports that you might do like 15 to 25 hours a week. If you're like a sprinter, you might only do like 20 hours and then some, mm. you know, strength or whatever. Like this was a case of 45 50 hours a week yeah. with no break like it's not that you had an off season so it was a case of like you staring at you in a mirror for seven eight hours a day every single day seven days a week and god it's like what is that is that like living to the fullest yeah um, i wasn't yeah. so sure so yeah so then triath so how did the triathlon come about then Okay, so in my, I wasn't, I'm not sure what to do thing. I, uh, I trained the Pilates instructor for a while. Didn't want to go to university, never wanted to go to university. Um, ended up at university because that's what you do <laughs> when you don't know what you're going to do. Um, sort of parents' direction. That is, um, by the way, that is terrible advice for anyone thinking of going to university. Do not go to university just because you don't know what else to do. It costs a lot of yeah, money. Well, I, I still advocate, like, I am actually... Um, I've been to university and I definitely say I tried lots of other things. I looked at um, the army for a while. I looked at different intelligence things. I looked at apprenticeship schemes. I looked at just like taking my Pilates board and having been through university and then been an uh, entrepreneur many times over, I would say skip the university bit, <laughs> like just get, get to the money-making bit much yeah. faster. Yeah. I mean, um, I, I, you, always say, I always say with university, it's good for some people. Don't get me wrong. It is brilliant yeah. to have education, but then there's an, another side, which I believe strongly in is, is working, earning and learning at the same time. Learning so, on the job. Yeah, absolutely. Um, for sure. But I, yeah, I ended up in university. I went to Bath university, partly for the sports center. Um, 
partly because it was kind of far far enough away but not like too far away and it was just yeah I literally had I, I literally went through a flip book and I was like okay I'll apply to this this and this I was hoping I'd only get one and then I got five applications I was like oh my goodness now this is <laughs> I had to decide it was just really and I didn't know what course to do um ended up by doing psychology because it was an interest of mine Tra- tried to change my course every single year of my three-year degree um anyway and it still ended up with a psychology degree but in university like like I say kind of or once a professional athlete, always a professional athlete. And I'm always looking for a challenge, like mm. always all through my life. And I've always been a very multi-passionate like sports person. I can never train seriously about anything else, but I go through times where I'd just like take up rowing for like two months and then like, <laughs> quite, like accelerate quite quickly or like take up. Um, I had a little rebellion stages. My, my 30, everyone else was out there drinking and I was going, oh, I'm going to play hockey and not tell my ballet teacher. Like, <laughs> that's bastard. Kind of, yeah, exactly. But um, I think having trained to like move my body so I could pick up sports very, very quickly because yeah. effectively it's just tailoring yourself to that. And mm. that's what I was trained to do. So I thought, I was like, well, I was always quite good at running, just kind of naturally never trained, but that was kind of my body type. So I was like, oh, maybe I'll be a runner. And then I started with the runners and they were just like the ballerinas. Very, 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 very <laughs> Them yes. dumb ballerinas. And I was like, mm, no, not for me. So I went around the freshest fair, like looking at, oh, maybe I could be a boxer. Maybe I could be a trampolinist, like all these random stuff. Um, but then my cousin ended up by, I didn't know her very well. My cousin had done an Ironman and I was like, you, you raced for 12 hours. Like, how is that humanly possible? And like, um, and I started getting interested in triathlon, bearing in mind, I didn't own a bike. I'd never run more than 5k and I was petrified of water. Like, I wouldn't go in the pool because it was 50 meters in Bath. Yeah. And then when I did start going in the pool, I only went in with a wetsuit because it was buoyant. So petrified. So I thought triathlon would be a great idea. Um, <laughs> and I started and loved, I just fell in love with it. Like it was just so difficult for me. Like it was yeah. so hard and I was learning so much. And I went from kind of nothing. Um, I had another kind of, there was lots of, um, kind of physical ailments I was left with and then the day I was struggling with them still so I had all sorts of um, horrible blood sugar problems all sorts of things and um, I'd basically gone from nothing to start training in triathlon and everything was new and so exciting and what I loved also was like in ballet I was the perfect ballerina like they used to measure my neck and even my neck would be the perfect size I was a perfect height perfect yeah. build everything was right and in triathlon everything was wrong like I <laughs> we don't hear many ballerina turned triathletes I wasn't a swimmer I didn't have you know big horse riders legs I didn't have steers yeah. legs I didn't I didn't have any of it and I didn't you're a you're a delicate feather <laughs> well I'm not I'm uh I'm not sure if I was me and uh I was quite a, yeah, I was quite a you say that ball. though you say that though but ballerinas sort of their especially their leg strength and they're so core, strong. And they're core. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. So, so not as delicate as you think, but yeah. I was definitely not built for, you know, doing what I was doing. Mm. And I'd yes, I'd done basically endurance training all my life. And I was a jumper in dance as well. So my like top end explosive power was really quite good. Mm. But in terms of like long throat 
long threshold sessions where you see it like the race pace that they do never done it in my life and I was it was amazing like I was just like I was this complete underdog I didn't have anything and no one could go oh yes we'll have her for her body it was like <laughs> no, we don't want god not the ballerina like and it was like it was um so constant like I was like chasing more and chasing better and obviously you progress quite quickly and I was overcoming so much as well um I was starting to address some like fears of the water which is a real phobia I was born with um really always had um and I was starting to address all these things um meeting amazing people so what do you think it, it so so obviously you've been watching the Olympics and have you been watching the Olympics yeah well I actually um I know well I work with quite a lot of the athletes, uh, quite oh. a lot of Olympians. So there's a couple oh. of people. Um, wow. That's a, a little bit of uh, another side I've done is work for a sports marketing agency. And I, um, yeah, work with quite a lot of the. Hey, can't athletes. you name drop anyone? Oh, well, I, um, I'll keep it quiet in this circumstance, but I'll, maybe I'll tell you uh, offline. <laughs> has has any won any medals or done well at the Olympics? There are some people, yeah. Wow. So have you been so. congratulating them and Yeah, yeah, it's been amazing. Amazing oh, to see behind the scenes. So. Wow. What what is it and, and I watched I love the Olympics and I watched the triathletes and they were just so good and but what is it? So I I I'm all right with fitness. I've always done a bit. I'll do a bit of running, I'll go for three miles. I wouldn't say I enjoy it, but I do it on I and I always feel better afterwards. But what is it for like sports people like you that push, want to push to sort of physical pain and what is it about that challenge and that limit is it does that do you think that goes back to when you're ill or do you think it's just something you've always had do you know what I mean that to really good question I think I had it long before I yeah. was poorly to be honest I um there was nothing physically going uh, going for me when I was ill and I yeah. very much think I'm very fortunate to have this conversation today because of my mindset. It wasn't necessarily yeah. because of my physical side. Mm. Um, and I think it is always something in, inside of me. It's quite amazing. The triathlon world is, has quite a lot of incredible humans in it. Oh, God, Lots yeah. of people that tend to have been through very challenging personal circumstances. Yeah. You see a lot of people in the start line that have been through divorces or they've overcome an addiction or they've had burnt out in corporate life and lost everything or they've overcome huge debts and you know lots of very very challenging things or, or illness and stuff and they're standing there on that line um which is it is a very interesting cause and effect um for me I've always been striving for kind of more and different. And if someone says I can't, it's like, well, oh <laughs> you didn't say I couldn't, you know, we wouldn't be having this conversation. I wouldn't be pushing for it. So that's always been me very stubborn and, and very, very driven. Yeah. Um, I think one definitely enhances the other. Like I, yeah. think I, 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 would, I, would, I would probably agree. I think, uh, especially for me as I've got older as well, and I've had challenges, you know, mental health and things like that in the past. I think they definitely, make you who you are and you don't moan so much and you push yourself and you see things as a challenge instead of seeing things as an obstacle do you see what i mean yeah. so you turn the negative into a positive and i definitely think having that background of pain getting through that well, pain you know and growth what? i was um i was on a interview a little while ago and someone asked me this question is like how do you deal with negativity or something negative happening in your life and I was like well I just get excited 
Yeah, I like and that. She, <laughs> yeah. Okay, I, I haven't heard that. Can you expand sort of thing? And the reason it's like, I've, as we all have, and um, I have overcome some pretty difficult challenges and some tragedies and different things in my life. And I have also done a lot of things wrong or like failed in the traditional sense. Yeah. You know, I've in um, entrepreneurship, for example, I've set up companies that have burned me out. I've set up companies that are not really going anywhere because I've positioned them completely wrong in the market. I've, you know, done done these things wrong. And yet I've always come on the other side and it's always been better or different. And even the the I, I wouldn't wish on anyone what I experienced as a teenager. However, that has definitely made me mm. the girl I am today yeah. and is why I'm sitting here on the most beautiful island living a pretty fulfilled life. And All right, stop showing off. I want to. <laughs> <laughs> but it wasn't, you see this, this stuff on the other side and it's like, oh, it's all magical and whatever. Well, no, it's not. I still yeah. have challenges and whatever. But like, the thing is, it's like, I don't, I no longer see a fuck up as a fuck up. Like I see it as like a chance yeah. to grow, expand and step into something else. And it, like sort of at the beginning, right at the beginning of this year, it was one of the occasions where um, I had set up a business and it was just not quite positioned right. Like this example I gave. And I pushed for a while and then I have an amazing sort of mentorship group and people around me. I'm such a big believer in networking and I was chatting with a sort of mastermind group that I'm a part of. And I was talking about my problems of trying to convert people and whatever. And they were like, no, this is not going to work. They're like, we wouldn't invest in this company. Like, I think you need to change directions. And I was like, oh God, like the amount of invested time, money, energy, <laughs> exposure, publicity. Like it's, you know, a little bit of um pride if you like yeah and then i stepped away had a cup of coffee went outside and looked on the balcony i was like time to get busy and i just basically it was such like a relief and it like it was like an i don't know like this expansion in a sense because it was like okay time for my creativity to start again and for me to look for something else and i think so many people in that situation would have really gone the other mm. way and being mm. like oh this is terrible you know this why does nothing work out and yeah like, been there like i felt that for sure in the past but now it's just like i actually get quite excited which is kind of you know i don't want to track i don't want to manifest negativity but in a sense when it does come along um yeah. i get excited and it's the same in my sport as well like you know that if there's one bad session it's not going to be the end of the world yeah but it's going to be the next one i think i think it's it's so important what you've said there and i totally understand where failure it's a shitty word really um but it's such a great thing if you can embrace it uh and i love when people do that and i totally understand you know it's like from the filmmaking side you'll spend you know a year writing a screenplay you'll give it to someone they'll go oh this is pretty shit you're like, oh, all right then. <laughs> Cheers then. <laughs> I'm going to do another, do another year. Um, but I think you have to turn the positive. So you think, well, at least I know it's shit. I know why it's shit, so I can make it better next time. So whenever you fail, it's that next little step, isn't it, to changing it to become better. Totally, and I, I think so. I mean, I think 
obviously you don't necessarily want to get a year down the line and like like you have in, in, in that example and like i had in my business example as well and now i'm learning the powers of testing and you can test yeah. it in your personal life or your, or your business life or whatever it is where you can actually um it's like you don't buy into anything until it's tested in whatever market you yeah. want to. But you've learned that from that failure. You've learned that totally. from that failure. So, so or people who have failed already for me and they can tell me the other way. Like yeah, I, I <laughs> tell me the answer. A, <laughs> totally, totally. Well, I used to be such a, oh, no, I don't need any help. I'll just figure it out. Oh, no, 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 no. Help, help, help. No. <laughs> Yeah, I think that's the big difference with people that are loaded. They can actually get people and say, right, have a go at this. And if you fail, let me know. <laughs> Just you come and tell me. So, Jem, tell me a little bit about what you're up to, because I know you're up to lots of different things. So obviously you said you're working with Olympians, which is fun, um, uh, amazing. But you're not happy with that. You're doing these other companies and other things and you wrote a book. Yeah, tell us a bit about so, that. Yeah. So there's quite a lot going on, um, basically. So, um, I work a little bit with um you sleep? Uh, uh occasionally. <laughs> no, I do need my sleep. I am very fan with sleep. So um I was working in sort of personal branding and an um athlete space and something I sort of keep on um as somewhat I work with a few kind of prize individuals, but I very much work in the kind of high performers space at large. So one of the things I've moved into very recently, which I'm very, very excited about, um, is sort of um one-to-one -one coaching with high performers and entrepreneurs. And this is very much um based on a uh, uh, personal realizations and systems and learning from lots of people around me, lots of success stories, as well as uh, trials, tribulations, and then pushing through and finding, figuring out um, how to go, how to go about things um, from my own life. So I have this four part framework that I work from, which is uh, the, I call it the body budget mindset mastery energy drivers and business systems, realizing that effectively to get to where we want to go in life and in, in, um, and in business as well, we need all four of our table legs, equal length, equally strong uh, and in alignment. I love that analogy because I've just married a table and it's wonky. <laughs> oh, really? Well, yeah, which well, one is it? Is your energy? Be, I used to be a carpenter, so, um, so long, long, yeah. But. Absolutely. But I am, um, this all sort of came about, I, um, uh, was planning to do just a small 10 page lead magnet for um, uh, kind of a new offering I was doing. And I got a little bit inspired by the Mallorca mountains and I ended up by writing a book um, literally on the edge of a mountain. <laughs> I took myself up and in, uh, it was just over nine days. I wrote this book about, um, it's called becoming CEO of your best nine life. days. It was a bit bonkers. Um, wow. Going into, you have to get it edited afterwards, though, I would have thought. Yeah, my spelling's not terrific, let's just say. And now I'm like, I can speak uh, Spanish quite well as well. It means that I just sometimes slip in the odd Spanish word as, as well. So a few editing. But, just to show um, off. Yeah, absolutely. But it's all sort of about, um, it is kind of personal development and business, but it's very much about how you take ownership of whatever the best rich life means to you. And we're not talking rich financially necessarily, although there is that understanding of many of us want freedom, but unless we have that business component or that financial component strong in there, it's very difficult to live completely you know, free and travel and do the things that really fulfill us. It's, um, so 
sort of the, the balance of, of the four parts, which really um, I've identified from working with all these uh, successful athletes, uh, you know, previously um, having done a psychology degree focusing on um, performance psychology as an athlete myself and also in business um, as a marketing consultant, which is what I've done for the so working time. with. So, so obviously you, you, that, that is, you know, you can't get much better than that. You're working with Olympians, which is pretty, pretty phenomenal. What do you see in Olympians different to other people? What, what, what is it? What makes them so special? Is it just their, their sheer determination or, or focus? I think it's a really interesting question. It's very, very different for lots of different people. Um, some people, it's, a, it's as simple as the people around them and mm. the network that they've created created, and their support team. So yeah. that can be massive for some people. Some people, it is sheer raw talent and a talent, either like a mental talent, talent of fortitude to push through or nah. it's a physical talent and they've got the attributes. I do think there is a place for that. Uh, and other people, it's a combination of, of, you know, the physical and the mental um, that comes through. The de- determination and the willingness to make sacrifices is huge. And sacrifices can sometimes feel a bit funny when it's like, it's things like getting enough sleep or taking a nap in the middle of the day. And it can be really irritating when you're, um, I worked on the kind of, on the uh, sponsorship side for athletes and things like that. So it can be really irritating. You're like, you know, I'm doing a 14 hour day here and it, you can't make the, 20 minute interview with your sponsor that's paying you lots of money because you yeah. need to nap. And it's like, yeah. oh, for goodness sake. But you know, and that is that, that ability to put boundaries and, and sacrifices is huge. Yeah. I think mindset, mindset is a, is, is a massive, a massive thing. Uh, and professionalism is just, and knowing, knowing you want something that you love, uh, I think that makes a massive difference. I mean, we talked about your dancing earlier and, and gymnasts, you've got to love it. And I think when you lose that love a little bit, that that's fatal. So to do, to love something and not lose that love when you're having to train so many hours a day, I think sometimes you lose that love, like in football and things like that, you you get pushed that much that then you never want to see another football again. Do you know what? I reckon there's, there's a difference also is what I've seen is some of the people I've been very, very lucky to work with multiple multiple times world champions world record holders etc and then people that are up and coming and actually something i do recognize and certainly from university i was training alongside um the british triathlon squad and lots of british squads were in based in bath and lots of them were my friends or i knew knew them or, or we'd um work with them through my psychology degree etc actually some of the really top top of the chart were ones that had a perspective that was broader than sport. Mm. And actually we see quite amazingly now in the triathlon space, there's quite a lot of um, incredible women who've come back after one or even two children and they come back and then had their best um, performances and their best performances to date or set records or whatever, um, or course records. And I think almost sometimes having that expanded, um, Mm. like expanded scope is what makes you even better because it means you can bring so much more to your sport and to your training. Yeah. And you don't put the same amount of pressure on you because you think, well, hold on, I brought a child into the world. Uh, So all this, it's a race. I want to win, but it's not the end of the world. My kids are, as long as my kids are healthy and safe, my family's healthy and safe. And I suppose when you take that pressure off, sometimes you get the best out of people, don't you? Sometimes. 
Mm, absolutely. I, I absolutely agree. And it's just, yeah, or you can bring all, even more of yourself to the, to the game. Yeah. So where's the, fu- where's the future then? God knows with you. It could be anywhere, couldn't it, Jim? Well, well, <laughs> You'd have I'm set the world very, alight. <laughs> oh, that's very kind to say, but I'm very excited to sort of push forward with my one-to-one coaching work with some amazing clients and um, I work a lot of pe- with people in transition so people that are um, in a position where they want you to change career or they want you to move abroad and they want to work out how that is or people that have faced kind of burnouts and it's like okay how do we how do we come back from this and, and I've been there several times myself in business and in sports um, and so I help people with that and I work one-to-one um mainly people sort of between 20 and 40 and um, lots of people that have come through actually who have done amazingly well creating new businesses and whatever in the, during the pandemic years. And now it's like when it's in this like holding phase where it's like not just, in, you know, expanded growth and now we have to maintain. And it's like, well, I'm still bringing in my six figures, but my health's gone to rubbish. I'm sleeping mm. four hours a night. My relationship's in a state or I just don't have the love for it anymore. And that's why I use my framework to, okay, okay. If you want to step up, if you want to go six to seven figures, if you want to go seven to multiple seven or whatever it is, you, or you want to really feel fulfilled and it's not about the money. It's actually about, you know, how much enjoyment you're getting out of this. You can't have the physical, the mental, the energy, or the business system out of line. And so yeah. how can we bring one of those up? So I work with people kind of one-to-one for that. And it's just super awesome to have that connection with people. Yeah. Um, I'm launching my book in sort of the hard copy very, very soon. So I'm going to be doing some launches and some retreats as well and celebration of that in Mallorca. Um, oh, and then gosh. hopefully moving on to a, um, a group program to expand my ability to add value to more people, really. Um, I am a story that I would love to use for positive. Like I very much feel like I've said all along that this is, this is a gift to have had that experience in a sense. And it's my chance to help others overcome the challenges that they may face or not necessarily have to wait for something like a tragedy, like I had to live the best rich life that Mm. that I talk Mm. about and step into. Yeah. I think, I think that's, that's the thing as well. When you've had an experience where you face your own morality, um, you look at things a lot differently. I suppose you're very grateful every day. And then you see people that haven't got that because they haven't been through an experience. And it's almost sort of trying to say to them, look, wake up. You know, you've got a fantastic opportunity. Before it happens, absolutely. Yeah. I I, there's a massive false belief. And people, you hear a lot of this, oh, just stick it out for, you know, get stick it out till retirement or whatever. And it's like, well, it's not, it's not time you're spending, it's life you're spending. So let's mm. figure out how to make that life a little bit. You know, yeah, and, I, and I've been through burnout as well. And I think the thing is, when you're younger as well, um, you don't see it coming and you just keep pushing and pushing. One of the things I would say is, is that great getting older and with experience, you just sort of think, is it really worth it? And it's not all about the money and the prestige. You think health health and family is far more important than all of those. But I think when you're younger, you're sort of pushing yourself, aren't you? You think you're invincible. <laughs> Yeah, well, it's an absolute balance. And that's where the four pillars come in for sure. And I think, and 
focusing on one without another is not sustainable strategy. It's only sustainable for so long. You can have yeah. a great, you know, a great body and a great routine, you know, physically. Yeah, thanks. I have. Yeah, yeah. Can't have a, <laughs> can't have a, you know, if your business systems aren't aligned or the same, the same way, if you just focus, there's lots of coaches out there working on people's mindset or overcoming things like that. And um, that's great. And like, I'm all for personal development. I'm all for mindfulness and all the rest of it but not at the exclusion of the other elements because yeah, ultimately it is not sustainable. Um, and this is for the long run. Yeah. So what advice, I always ask my guests for a bit of advice. What advice do you think you could give someone who's maybe facing burnout or, or maybe the best bit of advice you've been given, Gem? So I um, absolutely think the most powerful thing you can do is get high vibing people around you. I'm such a believer in networking. I am such a believer in having people to guide you through this. I mean, no matter what level you are, but especially if you're wanting to step up and you're a high striving individual, like you need people to lead you through that and to in, uh, um, sort of bounce ideas off or to like share energy and it may not be that they're helping you directly or asking their opinion I'm not you should take your own um choice you should make your own choices and do what's right for you but the energy they they can just sort of vibe with can really bring you up and it can really open your eyes so one of the one of the absolute biggest things that changed for me in my business and in my life really when I kind of overcame finally all of the trials and tribulations that I'd been through was actually getting involved in the network, getting involved with a mastermind and actually getting a mentor as well to, to have those different elements, these people for like support, these people like connections in my business, but people to challenge me, push me and whatever. But also I had a mentor in support. I had my coach and I also had a mental mentor outside of that for kind of business stuff, um, which was absolutely kind of life-changing for me. Uh, and the moment I kind of realized that, I wasn't an island. That was the moment everything changed. <laughs> I wasn't an island. That's uh, that, what film was that on uh, about a boy? You Grant was saying, oh, yeah, yeah. I'm not an island. Great film. Um, and it's funny you say that about mentor. We don't, I've, I've talked to a lot of people on this show. We don't talk about mentors too much. And I personally, I've probably had two, two mentors in my life and they were amazing. And I think if I could have more, you know, I think that is a, a brilliant thing to have mentors. I, people, I think people don't think about that enough to no, have someone you look I think up people always think you have to have like a coach or a mentor if there's something wrong. And mm. I, I absolutely disagree. You asked me about the Olympians. Well, I don't know any of the people standing, you know, on the Olympic stage that don't have coaches or don't have psychologists or don't have, you know, different things like that. Well, you know, if you want to step up in, in, in your life or in your business or whatever you, your pursuit, having someone to give you a framework is a, such a valuable thing. And it's not a case, it, we're, not, we're not making something better. It's not a, it's not a plaster. It's, it's like a vitamin. It's like, you know, you know, helping you step up. It's making you better. It's, you, weren't, you weren't bad to have a mentor, but how good could you be if your mindset was expanded? And um, that's where it really comes in. And it's very much about finding the right person for you. So lots of people do offer free calls and things like that. And I definitely take, um, you know, use of that and make sure you're consuming people's content as well. So you get to know if you'll resonate and then grill them when you're on the call kind of thing. And like, you know, see what, you know, works for you, ask recommendations from people. But 
I, most of the like high flying business people I work with all have mentors um, or coaches of, of some kind. And also same in, in the sports space as well. Um, and so that's definitely something we can transfer from sport into, into other aspects, yeah, but yeah, just not definitely. thinking of it, not waiting until there's a problem to yeah. put a plaster on it. Yeah. Get it before. Yeah. yeah. Uh, now I always ask my guests finally for a favorite. It can be a film. It can be a food, a book, anything at all. Don't pick your own book, obviously. Uh, do you have a favorite? Oh my gosh. So there is the most amazing ice cream cafe here. Um, oh, yeah. I went, I, I have to really restrict myself because <laughs> I actually go way too much. Um, and I've actually tried one of every single flavor. What's the best cafe. one? What's the best flavor? So surprisingly yesterday, it was a combo. It's a combo. So I had almond and cinnamon which sounds really weird one was one board of almond one board of cinnamon um i am an ice cream aficionado so um yeah if anyone comes to mallorca i can tell you all the best spots right i'll remember that i'll remember that when i come over almond and cinnamon ice cream well there you go (laughs) is there um is there a book that you ever fall back on uh so there's been lots of books that have been quite formative for me. I'm like, I, I'm not a reader, but I love business books. Probably the biggest life changer for me was for our work week, Tim Ferriss. Oh, uh, yeah. Is a must. Um, but also there's uh, Champions Mindset, which has won me a few medals in my time, which is from yeah. an athletics point of view as well. Oh, right. Cool. And if people want to get a hold of you, Gem, or see what you're up to, well, what's your social media? So they can follow me probably best on Instagram, which is um, at Jem Cooper. So at and then J-E-M Cooper, C-O-O-P-E-R, um, which is where I'm most active. I'm also just launching a YouTube channel, which will be at Jemima Cooper, nice and easy. And then um, it's carryjemimacooper.com for my website. Well, look, it's been, Jem, it's been an absolute pleasure speaking to you. Uh, it really has, and it's made me smile. I love it when you speak to someone and you've got great energy, for, especially early, in, well, it's not early in the morning, but no one is. <laughs> it's Spanish time. It's yeah, well, yeah. Um, and and uh, if ever I come over there on Mallorca, you'll have to show me around, get on the bike and ice cream. show me up. <laughs> All right, I'll save some good hills for you. Oh my God, no, 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 no. <laughs> Um, but yeah, thanks ever so much, Corinne. I'll make sure you stay in touch uh, and we'll definitely, you know, see where we are in a year's time when your YouTube channel's fine and come back on and we'll have another chat. Great, amazing. Awesome. All right, look after yourself, Gemma, and I'll speak to you soon. Okay, bye. Bye. That's it. Massive thanks again to Gem for joining me today and also to you for listening. Make sure you follow the podcast because coming up over the next few months there are even some more extraordinary interviews. Trust me promise uh the podcast streaming on all the usual platforms including itunes and spotify and if you want to see a um short 20 minute clip of the um, a video clip of the, the chat then go on to youtube just put my way thinking podcast and we pop up everywhere Ooh, please leave a rating and subscribe and if you want to follow us on social media facebook's my way thinking podcast instagram's my what podcast and if you want to get in touch or you think you'd be a great guest Drop me a line. It's my podcast at AOL.com. Until next time, thanks so much for listening. God bless. Take care.